0: Yeah! Mm. Let's win this fight for the clowns. We are the
1: real Brady, Brady Bros. Bros. Brady brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams and I'm Christopher
0: Knight. I played Greg and uh who are you again? I played Peter we've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of The Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why The Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are The Real
1: Brady Bros. Hi there, this is Joan
0: Van Ark, and you're listening to TV Confidential. <laughs> My name's Walt. I work as night watchman here at Fred's Wax Museum to put myself through criminology college. It used to be very lonely, until recently when I plugged in my crime computer. Suddenly, oscillating vibrations brought to life three legendary monsters. Dracula,
1: the werewolf,
0: and Frankenstein. Creatures hated and feared for centuries, now determined to make up for their past misbehaving by fighting crime wherever they find it.
1: Together. We're the Monster Squad. And Roberts with a reminder that Eric Roberts will join us later on in the hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us as we continue our DVD report with a particular focus on Saturday morning favorites. Greg?
0: We have two Saturday morning shows about our favorite monsters. One of them is not to be confused with the movie. This one came first. It's called Monster Squad.
1: Monster Squad, the show that gave us Fred Grandy.
0: Yes. And as my sister used to say when she had a crush on him in her teens, Fred Grandy is dandy.
1: My name's Walt. I work here at the Knight Museum. It's very lonely until I broke out my crime computer.
0: Yes, yes. And and I forgot that the crime computer made this little belch sound when it Wanted to put the computer card.
1: <laughs> a crime, a crime computer that he managed to hide under this table in or fake mausoleum thing in the middle of the wax museum, which was his job, and a crime museum which he managed to run without anyone at the wax museum saying, "Why are our power bills sky high?" during our graveyard shift. But, you know, it's a Saturday morning show. You're not supposed to think about that. And and more importantly, it is fun to watch.
0: Yeah. It's especially fun to watch if you're a fan of... Batman. The original Batman. And Stanley Ross Ross. Because it is Batman with monsters. Yeah. Very, very much.
1: And, and, and Stanley Ralph Ross, who not only acted in one episode, but he wrote uh, quite a few of the Monster Squads. He repurposed a lot of his lines or gimmicks, or, or in one case, uh, he repurposed a gimmick that he was not able to use on Batman because of censorship. That was the episode with Julie Newmar. Ah, Ju- Julie Newmar in the Monster Squad plays a villain called Ultra Witch. She was supposed to be called B. Witch. But somehow between the pre-production and the rolling of the camera, B Witch became Ultra Witch, I would imagine, because they had licensing uses or screen gems objected or so forth. But Ultra Witch's weapon is something called the Ronald Ray Gun, Ray Gun. Which, yes. takes, <laughs> which takes away your third dimension, Mm-hmm. And that's a gimmick that Ralph lifted straight from the Ida Pino episode of Batman and he originally called the gun and Batman the Ronald Reagan gun. ABC said you can't do that because Ronald Reagan is the gover- was the governor of California at the time. So so on Batman, Ralph Ross changed it from the Ronald Ray gun to the Alvino Ray gun. Alvino Ray was a, was a band leader of the '40s, and I guess the standard practices people either didn't know that, or they figured, well, you could Alvino Ray is is okay, but Ronald Ray gun you can't do.
0: There's another thing I always got a kick out of with that episode is that when she turned them into two dimensionals. They were it was their publicity photographs blown up. And they were black and white. Yeah. And she and she had to mention for for the viewers at home, it also
1: takes away uh, your color.
0: Takes away their color. Yeah. And it was like well basically it was cheaper to blow a black and white ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, look, as as you say, this is a Saturday morning budget. And uh Uh, which is probably, which I dare say, even in 1976 is lower than cable and streaming on demand. So you have, you know, uh, so, I I, and I would imagine the actors who did, the guest stars probably did scale, uh, if anything. But everyone, especially the villains, seemed to be having fun doing the Monster Squad. Julie Newmar has a lot of fun. Jonathan Harris played the astrologer. He seemed to have a lot of it. He even got involved in one of the fights, which, which Doc, Dr. Smith would, would, would scurry away from all that stuff. But Jonathan would, Harris would actually got put Moomy
0: would put Bill Mooney in front of him. <laughs> he would
1: put Bill Mooney in front of him. But uh, I mean, Harris does that with one of his underlings, but Harris actually gets involved in the fight scene.
0: You know, that does stand out with this show in that because the show is low budget and it doesn't have the... Um, the time to cut away and have outdoor shots and it doesn't have the commissioner and all the other characters it gives the villains more screen time there's a lot of villain time and a lot of lines so and actors love that so they get to chew and chew and chew on scenery in these episodes
1: there's even an homage to ed wood in the episode with Vito scote
0: Oh, he plays Albert Alberta.
1: Yes, which may have been the first transvestite character on Saturday, on network Saturday morning television.
0: Probably because there was a uh, a man-woman on the Flintstones, but that was primetime.
1: And as a cartoon, that wasn't real.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and Fred and Wilma didn't have twin beds, and it was a cartoon.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually remember I remember this show fondly. I had a chance to watch a few shows today. It's not I don't re- quite remember it as fondly as I did when I was 13 years old, but although Julie Newmar looks great in her Ultra Witch costume, but but in a nostalgic Saturday morning sense it's fun to it's it's fun to sample a few of these and uh, we we joked it introduced Fred Grandy. Fred Grandy had actually done television. I think he did. He was he had a recurring role on Mod prior to this and uh, yeah. he he did
0: You're just Carol's boyfriend, Chris, yeah. I believe
1: yeah and he also did the girl most likely to i think was uh, was stockard Channing, but for all intents and purposes, his acting career stopped with the love boat because it went on forever and then of course he went on he went into politics and did, did did pretty well in politics after that he
0: did very well yeah 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 he he had a very long and successful career and it he was he was uh taken very seriously. you know who else uh, did very well in politics was um Gary Kroger. It was a Saturday Night Live
1: A lot. Michael Lane played Frank N. Stein, uh, the Frankenstein monster, on Monster Squad. This was, I believe, it was not the first time he had played the monster. No. He did that in a couple of movies. Uh, Michael Lane was a former wrestler who uh, worked steadily as a stuntman-slash-actor throughout the 60s and 70s, uh, uh, especially on a lot of QM shows, Quinn Martin shows.
0: And he was on Maverick.
1: And yes, his uh, I believe it was that was either his first or his second professional acting role.
0: It was Frankenstein, 1970, is the one that I know of.
1: Yes, Frankenstein, 1970, which was filmed in 1958, but that's another story.
0: Yeah, he was probably of the monsters. He was the one who had the most experience in playing. Though Buck Cartalian, who plays the Wolfman, uh, he was in Planet of the Apes, so he had a lot of fur wearing costume wearing experience
1: and Henry the second, which I think is cool because I he, to my knowledge he is the only modern day actor who uses the second versus junior uh, but Henry the second, prior to that he played the sheriff of Nottingham in When Things Were Rotten by yes. Mel Brooks and he overacted in that as well
0: yeah he's playing a very similar role here yeah He was a standout on When Things Were Rotten, and it kind of launched his career in that persona. Like Jonathan Harris and uh, kind of like Tony Randall, he had this, um, what Jonathan Harris said, this affected persona that he sort of created, and I'm going to guess started young. Uh, Interestingly, he comes from uh, a place that's not far from where I grew up. He he went uh, from Hialeah, which is a suburb of Miami and um, apparently he showed promise from playing scrooge uh, in a christmas carol and had done that for years so I, i'm assuming that from a young age just like jonathan harris he adopted this way of performing and then once he was discovered and when things were rotten it went on from there though uh, he did do some game show hosting i remember seeing on game show notes and it said here he is henry Pollock, the second i'm like Oh my gosh, she's hosting a game show. I
1: remember that.
0: And he played in a lot of Hanna-Barbera and other cartoons doing an enormous amount of voices because he had that very projected, very theatrical kind of voice. And so he was perfect for that as well. So he was um, in a lot of cartoons. So he had a very, very, he passed away, but he had a lot of, in fact, of the cast We actually knew who he was more than anybody else, because Fred Grandy wasn't terribly well-known. He was on a uh, paper towel commercial. Speaking of everybody enjoying paper towels so much, Fred Grandy was uh, in a paper towel commercial, and we used to quote him, because he said, Brawny, that's what we need! it's on youtube i don't know but that's the way he said it It was just funny so we used to say oh that's the guy on the brawny paper towels commercial i mean that's funny how you associate uh like like when barbara Feldon was on get smart oh it's the the beautiful lady from top brass you know commercials you 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 see those commercials so much that you're, you're very happy to see them get steady work so it's it, it was it was a fun show and you're right. It's it's very silly, it's very Batmanish, but it's it's even more Batman ish than Batman.
1: Well no, yes. In in lot of respects it has elements of the good Batman meaning the first season and a half and it has elements of the not so good Batman meaning the third season which where everything was really really restricted budget wise this is even this is even more of a shoestring than that but if you take all that into consideration it is fun to watch a few of these shows
0: yeah it's as we say worth a look
1: yes it's not it's, and, and- it's not high art but it's definitely worth sampling that is monster squad Uh, the 1976 Monsters live-action NBC show starring Fred Grandy and Henry Pollock II. It's available on DVD.
0: Yes, it definitely is, and it's at bargain prices. Especially right
1: now. Okay. Greg Erebar is with us via Zoom for our DVD report. This week, Greg is focusing on popular Saturday morning programs from the 60s, 70s, and now 1980s that you may want to revisit. And you have... Now this is an animated show, as I as I recall.
0: Yes, and it came just a few years later, and it's almost a, it's a very similar premise. It's a Hanna Barbera cartoon called Pack. Once again, when my sister was young, she had a big crush on Drac because he was a he was a teen Dracula. He was apparently the grand nephew of Count Dracula. These were like younger versions of the universal monsters frankenstein and werewolf and just like the monster squad they were dedicated to cleaning up their image as bad guys and doing goodness and niceness and on the hanna-barbera cartoon they were working for big d who was count dracula and he was giving them their assignments but their assignments were almost always the same. They were to thwart the evil plans of the evil Doctor Dread, and Doctor Dread was played by Hans Conried, and you can't go wrong when you've got Hans Conried in anything. And then you've got Don Messick playing his toady, and his name is is Toad, huh. and is uh, and so it's it's like. Apply that to real life and you're all set because you know. there's plenty of those. And he had a catchphrase, you know, because he would always abuse Toad. And he'd go, bad Toad, bad Toad, bad Toad. The, and, and also, I, I think this is this was written to, like, spoof the workplace because that, Dr. Dredd is always calling Drack Jr. in for a meeting. You know, before he does a nefarious plan, he says, "You have to meet. We have to have a meeting." He says, "Why is he always calling me in for a meeting?" You know, he has to. He has to present his input. I don't know. And there's always an elaborate Rube Goldberg kind of, "You'll. This is how we will destroy you," kind of thing. But it's a lot of fun, and there's usually, there aren't two stories per show, but usually there's two nefarious schemes per show that are all blended together. Uh, usually the uh, good guys screw up the first time and do all, all of it comes together correctly in the second time. As a, In other words, it's your Hanna-Barbera formula that works so beautifully well that you want to watch it again and again, um, and the animation is is good, It's it's 1980, so it isn't, it isn't uh, you know, superior, but it is not bad. It was done in the Hanna-Barbera Australian uh, studios, which I'll tell you a little bit about that. There was a company called API, Air Programs International, in the 60s. And if you remember, and I'd love to talk about this at another time, but if you remember the famous classic tales presented by Kenner in the early 70s mm-hmm. um, or Arthur and the Square Knights of the Round Table, they produced those. And in the in the very early 70s, Bill Hanna decided to buy the company. And that way, that was one of their first outsourcings. And was very proud of the fact, according to his biography, that they were able to turn out fairly decent animation at a, at a lower price. And the first show they did was Funky Phantom. So, in fact, the Lost in Space, uh, speaking of Jonathan Harris, the Lost in Space pilot, which was not sold, but was, was uh, on the Saturday Superstar movie. That was produced uh, by, by uh, what became Hanna-Barbera PTY. Uh, the, the giveaway would be like, the music would be different. You could see in the credits, uh, Zoran, Janjik, different names of people. Some Scooby-Doo's were made there, Josie Pussycats in Outer Space, Wait till your father gets home. Those were done in Australia. So that's where this was done. But Drag Pack played fairly late on Saturday morning, I guess because they figured they'd get a teen audience for it. It uh, didn't last terribly long, but it had a great cast. Jerry Dexter, who was uh, Gulliver on The New Adventures of Gulliver. He was uh, Alan on Josie and the Pussycats. He's doing a definite imitation of Maxwell Smart for this as uh, Drack Jr., uh, you have Bill Calloway, and he's doing both Frankenstein and The Wolfman. He has a very deep voice um, on cartoons, but you might remember him as the guy with the sort of light, frizzy hair and the Love American style blackouts. What, it was the, the guy who played against Barbara Minkus and um,
1: Stuart you know, Margolin?
0: Yes, yeah, Stuart Margolin. He was, he was the like the third guy in all of those. But he did a lot of cartoons. Hair Bear Bunch, he was a uh, square bear in that, the big bear. And Chuck McCann is also in it. So it's got a really good cast. Alan Oppenheimer, also he plays, he plays Dracula. And Alan Oppenheimer, of course, is the voice of everybody's favorite villain, uh, uh, Skeletor. Um, which would be much a few years later on He-Man. Mm-hmm. So got a great cast. It's, it's the same thing I usually say about Hanna-Barbera or Filmation. If, if the animation isn't quite what you're expecting, it's a lot of fun, lots of gags, and lots of great voice acting and that sort of thing, and kind of a cute idea. And it makes a nice compliment to Monster Squad because it's very much the same kind of idea. If you like these kind of monster things, they fit together kind of well. There's only a few episodes because that's what they used to do. They only made 16. They ran them about three times uh, in the year. And then if it lasted another year, they ran them three more times. Kids didn't mind. They loved watching. I mean, how many times did kids watch Casper, never find a friend, scare everybody away, and then make a friend, and then in the next cartoon he had no friends? I mean, you know, it's – it's just the way, when you're a kid, you like to watch. I would sit in the theater and watch a movie more than once. I watched Alice in Wonderland six times. I went back, you know, so I guess that's just a kid thing. Well, when, you're a, certain... when you're
1: a kid, you don't notice, uh, this is the third time they've aired show number one this season. When you're a kid, you don't notice that as readily as you do when you're grown-up.
0: Well, sometimes you you don't realize until you've gotten into it for a few minutes, and then you're kind of like, ah, I'll watch it anyway. You know what I also noticed with some of the streaming shows, they don't make as many. So I find sometimes I'll go back to one or two of them that I kind of liked, and some of them are rewatchable, especially some of the comedies. There are some things that you could – like I did that with One Day at a Time. There were a couple of those that I really enjoyed that i went back to sometimes not when you don't have a ton of episodes when a show hasn't been on for nine ten years you and, and your pickings is lean but you really liked it you go back and you pick a one you liked and and sometimes it's kind of fun to revisit so for what it is it's it's lots of fun
1: both drac pack and monster squad both available on DVD, you can read Greg Airbar's animation spin column twice a month at CartoonResearch.com. Greg's website, gregairbar.com We'll take a quick timeout, and we will welcome Golden Globe-nominated actor Eric Roberts when we come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk.com